Yeah, glamorous around. and high paid. Cruises around cricket geek cricket geek cricket green in his Lamborghini, full of uh, hose and <laughs> singing KSI, singing KSI, throwing five pound notes in every direction. It's just the standard councillor existence. Uh, oh yes, we're all multi millionaires, Alex. I mean, don't they even sort of, if it's a really long meeting, don't you sometimes get sandwiches in, in the middle of it? Oh, sometimes we even get biscuits. Whoa. Fancy biscuits? Like sort of Fox's selection? Yeah, pound, pound shop. But the, the budget don't stretch that far. Yeah. One day, one day the, the glory days of the early 2000s will return. We'll have quality biscuits at uh, local government meetings. Anyway. Quality biscuits and paid expenses. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, mayoral swimming pool. <clears throat> I mean, maybe maybe we've been a bit too harsh on um, look for Rahman in the past. Maybe he was onto something with his dubious <sighs> financial arrangement. No, no, no. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think anyone can be too harsh on look for Rahman. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that Tower Hamlets allowed him back is an abomination of our democratic system. But that's another story. So, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be finding out what on earth Michael has been up to counselling over the past four or five months. And as a surprise bonus this evening, Michael will also be asking me about my new job because I have been working for a council but not, as he does, as a glamorous, democratically elected official. No, no. As a, I was going to say underpaid grunt worker. To be fair, I'm paid a reasonable salary for what I do, I think. I reckon your salary is probably more than mine for being a councillor, mate. Yeah, well, well, with, I mean, yours gets paid as a nice lump sum, doesn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm getting paid weekly at the moment. Yeah, I get paid monthly, to be fair, yeah. It's an allowance, so it's really not much. Contrary to what we were saying at the beginning, councillors are not paid very well. Um, yeah, allowances are generally quite unless low. You're <laughs> unless you're crooked, like a trade union official. Uh, no, councillors are not paid well. Um, allowances are not high, and... It varies from borough to borough, but I think Merton has one of the lowest allowances in London. I think the only borough with a lower allowance than us is Kingston. And they're all fancy rich Lib Dems anyway, so. Yeah, fancy rich Lib Dems. Anyway, so tell us, Michael, what has been going on in the magical kingdom of Merton over the past few months? A lot of good things, actually. Um, well, let me start locally with uh, Cricket Green because it's it's been quite a good time. You know, it, it can be tough. You, the emails come through thick and fast, but I think myself, Jill and Azama got to grips with it quite well. I think we're a very well-balanced team. Um, and we managed to organise some lovely community events since the, since we started, which have been great. Wonderful. And tell us about your maiden speech that you made. Oh, my maiden speech. 
so I made my maiden speech on the topic of education, uh, something that I have some experience in because I was a teaching assistant briefly. And I did train to become a teacher, though, unfortunately, illness kept me out of that field. So um, just before you go on, in your speech, did you repeat the uh, subject three times? <laughs> of course I did. It's part and parcel of every Labour politician's speech since 1996. You have to say the words education, education, education. Excellent. And, and did it, was it received well on the, the floor of the council? It was, um, particularly on the, the Labour side, Labour side speaking to the leader and deputy leader afterwards. I, I remember our deputy leader said to me, OK, we'll definitely make sure we use Michael again, which was good. Um, <laughs> it means I can make a decent speech. Um, um, have, have you made many speeches since then? Um, I've spoken in a lot of committees, but um, not in not in full council. I think I, I've asked a few questions and I've had a few supplementary questions, which is when you ask a question after the fact. Um, but as for sort of making a presenting a motion or seconding a motion, I haven't done that since. Um, I'm looking forward to doing it again soon. And we got the budget coming up, so that'll be fun. Ooh, now, two, two, possible, uh, two possible routes to go down here. Do I ask about budgets or do I ask about committees? Both of them shockingly exciting. So I'm going to go budget first. So tell tell us about the budget, Michael. Why is that taking up all your time and energy at the moment? So every year, the the party in charge of the council will have to present a budget for the finance for the next financial year. So in our case, we're preparing for the budget from 2023 to 2024. Um, and before the budget can go through um, to be presented at a full council and voted on, it has to go to every committee. Every committee has to see whether what spending will be happened. So, for example, I sit on the children and young people's panel. Um, so as a person who sits on children and young people's panel, scrutiny panel, um, you basically scrutinise what the budget has planned for children and young people, you know, um, children and family services. And essentially every committee gets to see what is in their budget um, prior to it going to a full council to be voted on. It I gets to be scrutinised. At, at the moment, the answer to that is diddly squat. Um, I, I have been pleasantly surprised um, that the opposition don't seem to be playing party political games at scrutiny panel level so far, um, at least in the ones that I have attended. Um, normally, normally the, the Lib Dems in particular like to, play, like to play party political games and make everything party political. Um, it's yeah, everything has been surprisingly collegiate at scrutiny panel level. I think it was it was an amazing <laughs> it was an amazing feat because you're you're warned at these scrutiny panels. Oh, it's a budget scrutiny panel. It's going to go on for hours. The opposition are going to ask lots of questions to try and trip us up. So we're prepared to base for a long night. We get 
to the actual scrutiny panel, the Lib Dems asked three questions, the Tories asked none, and Labour asked four. It, I don't think it has ever happened before where the party presenting the budget ask more questions than the opposition at a budget scrutiny meeting. And what what would you say is the reason for that, this particular type? Because would, would, would a budget normally be accompanied by much more kind of horse trading and negotiation and trying to push it in different directions? Not if you have a majority. If you have a majority, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, at least if you have a majority and a good finance officer, which we do. Um, our cabinet member for finance, Billy Christie, has done a fantastic job and has even made someone like me who doesn't really... I, I can do a lot of like domestic and foreign politics, but economics is not my, my strong suit. But he even presented it to me in such a way that I felt confident to ask and hear answers with regards to the budget. So this plays quite nicely into uh, questions about what's the what does it feel like on the ground at the council now. So, do you think the lack of pushback against your budget is reflective of the atmosphere there at the moment? And and why would you say that is? I I wouldn't say that, which is why it's been a pleasant surprise. Um, I still expect that there will be. Some party political games played at full council, there always are, you know, there's always insult trading between (laughs) the various leaders of parties. It it feels very much like going to a full council meeting feels very much like attending a session of PMQs. It's it's theatre rather than proper scrutiny a lot of the time, I personally feel. And speaking to backbenchers on various, from various parties, they feel much the same. Um... We're, we're there sort of watching our leaders duke it out, um, <laughs> as it were, like some kind of YouTube boxing event. I mean, would you say that your uh, Conservative Party council leader is as bad as Jake Paul or worse? Or is anyone as bad as Jake Paul? I think Boris Johnson is probably the, the political equivalent of Jake Paul. Um, really annoying, morally quite degenerate, liked by a certain type of people and keeps coming back like a bad STD. Yet you somewhat have to respect his his proficiency at doing what he does in terms of winning, even though you think he's total scum. I think that's a good comparison between Jake Paul and Boris Johnson. Um, But to sort of take it back take it back to your question about the the attitude of the council on the ground um i i as i said i expect i expect there will be more party political games when it when it comes to the full council meeting the the attitude towards the budget in general has been i think we've got a good balanced budget and i'm glad that billy is in charge because he's done a very good job a very stellar job but the truth is the situation wherever you are in the country for local councils is extremely bleak. I mean, in 2007, just before Tony Blair left office, Merton Council were receiving £74 million from central government to assist with our budget. In 2000 and 
23, we're receiving 25 million. That's a fall of 49 million pounds in central government funding before we even take into account the inflation that has happened in that period. It is a dire time to be a local authority. Yeah, there's, there's no way of getting around it. That is a lot. Is and how, how would you say that that, um, that sort of austerity is affecting services on the ground? So since Labour took power in Merton Council in 2010, even through the sort of worst of Conservative Lib Dem austerity, the administration has always taken pains to protect two sectors, which is funding for, for children and families and children's services and adult social care. Those are those are the two two pretty much aspects of the budget that we will never pull money from, we will never cut. We will never cut money that's going to children in need and we will never cut money going to adult social care, the elderly in need. Unfortunately, balancing a budget is tough work and you have to you have to accept that the the burden has to fall somewhere. And a lot of the time it falls on falls on infrastructure, unfortunately. So infrastructure projects that we might want to do end up getting delayed or kicked down the pipeline because the government isn't giving us any money. And you can't I don't think I don't think we could claim to be a credible party of the working people if we didn't prioritize the most vulnerable in our society. So that is what we do. That is what we've done since 2010. But it is getting harder and harder because... So Rishi Sunak has allowed councils this year to raise council tax by by 5%. And it's it's estimated that, that 95% of councils in England and Wales will raise their council tax by the full 5%. Um, it's also because you get some extra money for adult social care if you do raise it by the full 5%. It's almost like a like the government saying, oh, we know you're going to take a political hit from this, so have a bit of extra money for adult social care to, to, to do the thing where you raise it by the full amount. Now, here in, here in Merton, we're actually offering a 1% rebate to our residents, um, which isn't much, but it's something recognising that, you know, the difficulties that we have no one wants to be raising council tax, but when it's a choice between raising council tax or taking money away from the most vulnerable in your borough, that that's not a choice. You've got to. You've got to raise it. Um, and it's trying to just accept that this is this is a cost of living budget. This is a cost of living crisis, largely caused by the Tory government. But here is here's the real rub of it. For every percent that we raise council tax we raise roughly one million pounds but for every percentage point that inflation goes up we're spending an extra 1.5 million pounds so even before we go in to vote on this budget or even before we begin crafting the budget inflation has already knocked about five million pounds off of it, off of our budget from last year it's it's a it's a horrible time and we're doing everything we can to protect the most vulnerable people in our borough but yeah it's it's tough times and 
we need we need a government that's going to take a long hard look at what they do with local government and local authority financing but i don't think it's going to be this government who are mired in sleaze and scandal pretty much every day and whose full-time job is to basically be clearing that up rather than actually focusing on the people of this country i'm getting pretty good at this politics thing i think alex yeah that that that, that sounded pretty uh, pretty solid michael um <laughs> So, final question is just about committees. Then, can you tell us about some of the the committee work that you've been on? Because I believe you have been uh, doing a lot of work for the planning committee, which I imagine does not make you any local enemies. Uh, well, it makes you enemies of about the ten people who actually pay attention to <laughs> local planning applications. Normally, different heritage societies and conservation societies usually round up their 45 members to object to everything. <laughs> um, no, so I sit on two committees. I sit on the Children and Young People's Committee um, as the youngest member of the Labour group here in Merton, uh, though not the youngest councillor, as one of the Lib Dem councillors pained to correct me in my maiden speech, which I was a bit annoyed about because I had checked with a council officer beforehand. I, I am the... I am the youngest councillor, yes, that that's correct. And they were like, yeah, 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 you're definitely the youngest councillor. It's like, cool. So I went and called myself the youngest councillor and the Lib Dem stood up to tell me that there was a Lib Dem who was two years younger than me. I was like, I check this. I check this. Uh, but whatever. Um, it turned out that Lib Dem was actually 45. <laughs> I think you're being a bit generous. To the demographic of Liberal Democrats. The youngest councillor, sir. Actually, you're being generous to uh, to the demographic of councillors. I mean, the the by far and away the reason that the majority of councillors are of an older age is because, like I said, councillors are not paid well, and they have to give a substantial amount of their time to their council role. So it doesn't make it easy for a young person who is also having to juggle a full time job. Um, but that's another point. So committees. Um, so I sit on two committees, the Children and Young People's Committee and the Planning Applications Committee. Um, now, the the Children and Young People's Committee is chaired by my good friend and fellow Cricket Green Councillor, Osama Kawesa. And I, I'm glad because it, whilst the demographic of the council is not particularly young, um, we do have a few young councillors on this committee. And Azama has pushed to have more young people included in scrutiny across different committees. So we're going to get more young people coming to these committees to actually give us their perspective on issues such as children and young people, such as sustainable communities. And I think that's a really positive thing and a real testament to Azama's achievement to push that through and get that through. Excellent. Well, that's the end of my question, sir. Um, well, I can tell you a bit about planning if you want. Well, I was going to say that the people really want to know about planning, but yes, I think they do. So tell, tell, tell us a bit about planning, Michael. Um, so I I wasn't initially uh, sitting on the planning committee. I was initially a substitute for the, the planning committee. But from the times I had appeared and as a substitute on the committee, I really enjoyed myself i found it really interesting because you're voting on 
genuine solid things that you can see get built and or in the case of not get built and it's one of the committees and one of the places in a council world where you can have a real impact is the planning applications committee um so when a vacancy became available when i was asked to take it up i said sure i'll happily do it and despite the long meetings because planning application meetings tend to go on longer than most other meetings um i do really enjoy it because like i said that it's one of the things where the thing that you vote on the decision you make really does have a visible impact that you can see in your local community um my my priorities as as a young councillor tend to be making sure that we're getting enough affordable housing in the borough um, and also making sure we're being as environment as environmentally friendly as possible so note to any developers out there if you want to get something passed in merton make sure you give us a good whack of affordable housing and make sure you make it green make it green michael will be keen that's a terrible slogan but uh... yeah but hey that's what we do here that's all i can come up with at the moment (laughs) right well it took us three days to come up with things can only get banter people Okay, um, we're now going to switch things around and Michael is going to uh, ask me some questions about my new fun job as a low-level council employee. Just to stress this audience, I do not work for Merton Council because that would create some interesting conflicts of interest. I was about to say that would be a real conflict of interest. Yes, uh, you do have to declare... That if you if you are friends with any councillors, if you apply for a job, it's, uh, it's not Tower Hamlets. <laughs> Loot for ramen strikes again. Uh, where if you know the secret handshake, then uh, you're pretty much guaranteed a, a plum job. Okay, fire away, butcher. Okay, first question. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, and this is something I've always wanted to ask councillor, council officer. Hypothetically, you get an email from one of the local councillors asking you to mm-hmm. asking a question or ask you to do something how likely is it that that then goes to the top of your list as your priority for the day okay well i haven't actually had um any interaction with councillors as of yet um i've received training about how to address them so i have to refer to them as councillor um so i should probably call them the councillor now although doesn't count i think if you're on a different council so i can't really give you too much of an insight into that so i am mainly dealing with people who have queries relating to uh, education uh, highways kind of road safety Uh, i do sort of general switchboard inquiries so if people ring up saying how do i pay my council tax I will then respond by saying, well, that's a matter that's handled by your district council, not your county council. And Yeah, we don't have to deal with that in London. Well, yeah, except you're going to get, that's an issue that's handled by the London Authority, not your borough council. Because there always has to be 17 different layers of local government that you have to get through and nothing is simple. Hey, it wouldn't be local government if there weren't 
tons of pointless bureaucracy. So I'm I'm dealing with a lot of stuff to do with education and schools bookings. So uh, parents preparing their children to enter secondary school. I am also going to be doing thing essentially any service that is provided by the council i am the first port of contact but i also particular areas that i'm responsible for managing sort of cases in i think it's one of the sort of misunderstood things is that when i when i entered when i became a counselor like somebody said to me local counselors are only about 10% responsible for what most local councils do. Like 90% of the work done by local councillors is done by people like Alex, just going about their day, doing their job in a non-partisan way, a bit like the civil service on a much, much smaller basis. Local councillors, I think <laughs> I think it was one of our one of the officers. Who for the for the council who said to me like local local councillors are mainly just there to take the flack for anything controversial, like anything controversial gets put to a vote and then let let local councillors take the flack for it. Yeah, I mean if some some big brained civil servant will work out that it's far more efficient to collect the bins um, every two weeks rather than every week. The councillors will be made to vote on this, and they can take all the flack for uh, from the people who uh, don't want to put their rubbish out once a fortnight. Yeah, ninety percent of the decisions made by a council, ninety percent of the services provided, are not. This, these decisions aren't put forward to local councillors, or if they are, they're normally so such big overhead decisions that. They don't affect the sort of day-to-day stuff or the day-to-day running of a of a council. You know, we're not. I, I don't. I'm. I wouldn't be the type of person you'd phone up to ask to help get your child into a school. All I would do is if if you emailed me asking to help get your child into a school, I would email someone like Alex. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually probably quite telling that I haven't had much interaction with councillors as of yet. So I am primarily involved in the practical side of things. So all the services that a council provides, I am doing kind of customer service and administration related to that. No, completely. I say a good chunk of a local councillor's time is just redirecting constituents to to where they need to go, to the right person to talk to. And it's, a lot of it is trying that. to just knock down barriers so people can talk to the right department or the right person who can actually assist them. Because as a local... I think a large amount of the job as a local councillor is just to be a redirectorate. Just point people in the direction they need to go and make sure that what they need help with is done. Yeah, I mean that feels what I feels like quite a lot of what I do all day. So, uh, I I did kind of quite a bit of education work today, but the rest of the time I was saying like, that's not something a local councillor does. You want to have to you're gonna to have to contact your MP slash district council slash police slash fire service. 
so for example um a county council will generally manage road maintenance within a given um sort of administrative area however that only applies if it's an a road or smaller so anything above an a road is managed by the highway well this is another fun fun topic to go over what used to be called highways england and was at one point known as the highways agency managed motorways so if someone see is this up, is this kind of bureaucracy if someone rings me up and says i need to report an issue on this road I can't just send them through to the council highways department. I have to work out what kind of road it is. Uh, so Michael, obviously being based in London, has a slightly different setup. So in more rural areas, planning is handled by your district council. Whereas in London, planning is something that's handled by the borough council at a in a more rural area, planning is handled by a district council, so it's not something that the county council will have too much involvement in. So I get people ringing up about planning issues, and normally I say, wrong council. I'll be more polite than this. But uh, I, I send them to the right direction in the other council. <laughs> but there are some very niche planning issues that are handled by your county council. So for example, if you want to erect signs on the side of a road, because the road is controlled by the county council rather than the district council, then the planning permission is done through your county council. Um, if you want to install a certain type of water heater in your house, you need to apply for a license for that. In some places you get said license from your county council, in some places that comes from your district council. Uh, waste management is generally hand handled by your district council rather than your county council. But it just gets more and more confusing because while highway maintenance is generally handled by a county council, quite often things like gritters and snow plows are done by a district council. So fun, fun, I'm, fun. I'm not sure what needs to be done about local government because needs to be reformed well to, to be honest i don't think if you gave me unlimited money i don't think i could fix it because this all has been developed over hundreds of years and no no i'm i'm kind of with you i'm kind of with you the system works it just works poorly it, it could work far better and it could work far better but the time and energy it would take to to scrap the whole thing and build it from the ground again would cost so much money you you really have to question like you said would it be worth the amount of money we'd have to spend yeah I um, the normans they, they 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 started all of this bloody doomsday book um it's i i have much of the same <laughs> it's funny hearing someone who works for the council saying a lot of the same things i think all the time alex like 90% of complaints I get about fly tipping, often the problem is the fly tipping is not on public land. It's not on land owned by the council. And we can't do anything about that. So, right, yeah, so you, you could you could point me to you could you could point me to a big 
big fly tip. But if it is not on public land, we, by the law, cannot clear it. That has to be done privately. Yeah. It's it's those sort of things. It's those sort of predicaments. You try and gather evidence about who's fly tipping and then take them to small claims court to gain back the money that you paid for getting the rubbish removed privately. There are so many layers. Exactly. It's bureaucracy. Uh, Wouldn't it all be better if we just had some kind of all-powerful emperor? You see, I, I did think that when I was younger. Um, and then I discovered tyranny was a thing. I mean, maybe the Roman Republic didn't fall because of some great crisis of civilization and collapse of civic order. Maybe the Republic simply collapsed because people were so frustrated with the interwoven layers of bureaucracy and got sick of trying to work out who was doing rubbish collection on a certain day and ended up replacing it with an emperor. <laughs> yeah, could well be. That's the thing. Like when I when I was younger I was like we just, what we need is a benevolent dictator. That's all we need. We need a benevolent dictator. That'll solve like all our problems. Like Palpatine. Yeah, maybe. Um but then then I was sort of like what what prevents and this is a question that you find in Roman history all the time. What prevents a benevolent dictator being succeeded by a malevolent one, you know? Ah, well, what happens then, Michael, is that you and a select group of councillors come up with some kind of plot to stab him to death. And then you install yourself as the benevolent leader with all kinds of lofty ideas. Then we wait for you to become corrupt and tyrannous. Is tyrannous a word? corrupt and debauched and generally evil and then we stab you to death and the uh, the cycle continueth on <laughs> yeah well william Hague famously said that the conservative party was an absolute monarchy governed by occasional bouts of regicide um <laughs> but i think that that's most things in life really I suppose I, a question I would ask you about is what is the what is the funnest fact you found out since starting your council job? Funnest fact, funnest story, funnest anecdote. Ooh, funnest facts. See, I can't really tell you any fun facts without breaking data protection law. The only thing I will say is that it is rather amusing when, because another thing I do is take calls for our local road safety partnership which means that if you're caught speeding and the police judge you to have met a certain criteria you're offered the chance to do a uh, road safety course or a speed awareness course in lieu of getting points on your license and paying a fine and there are lots of very interesting excuses about why someone was caught speeding uh, many people who will use their age as an excuse, and then you learn that, like, wait a second, you're like 42. You can't. Uh, <laughs> that won't fly here, my friend. What do they think the age expectancy in England is? I, I don't know. It, it is quite, um, quite interesting when people want something, how quickly 
they people who would sort of object most strenuously to being referred to as a kind of old person uh when they when they see an advantage in it they will immediately go oh well i'm 52 years old i'm i don't understand these computers and whatnot we didn't have any of this technology and okay fine yeah you can just tell me you didn't want to fill the forms out online you are legally um well it it, it is it is your legal rights to uh, do this over the telephone so go ahead but people people will find all kinds of excuses for not following um basic bits of procedure and yeah i i can i can attest to that right you got any final final points final questions alex for this evening no i think that's a wrap um all right the first galactic empire we'll be getting back to the collapse of slow collapse of our government um as they continue to sleaze their way to a 1997 style defeat yeah well this is that that's a, a smart move michael because i think what we're going to do next time with your consent is have a solely national politics focused episode and then Ooh. in four weeks time we'll come back to council land to uh see what kind of wacky shenanigans you've gotten into and we will see if i've gone insane by that point because we're getting close to the day when children are offered school places and i have to uh, sort of console parents when little tiberius doesn't get into their uh, academy of choice and at some point before the next election i'm sure we'll have our on northern ireland episode and at some point a guest in the next five years yeah at some point i'm when episode eight comes out or whatever there's a stretch goal right farewell and good night michael and remember things can only there's some enthusiasm for you get banter